Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, my next guest is a Kilkenny man. He's got almost three decades of executive coaching experience and he's decided to pass some of that knowledge on to us here today. The inner CEO advocates for a new way of managing your mind to lift your mood, self-belief and achieve your full potential by awakening your inner CEO. The author, Shane Craddock, joins me now. How are you, Shane? I'm very good, Bobby. Great to be here. Very good to talk to you again, Shane. Um, The new book, we'll come to that in a second. Sure. Tell us a little bit about your own journey and again, your own challenges that you had uh, with with depression and that in the early days uh, before you got into life coaching and executive coaching. Sure, sure. Uh, Well, you know, somebody said to me recently, how did you get into this kind of field? And... I had to think about it and I thought, well, actually, the starting point was suffering. Right. You know, suffering was the, if I joined the dots backwards, because it wasn't part of the plan. Like I, as you say, I grew up in Kilkenny, best place in the world, obviously, Bobby. And then I went to UCD and I did chemical engineering, um, which is really about, you know, understanding like, how to make drugs and, and beer, you know, so not a bad thing to do. But I, I was, I just didn't really have an understanding of me at the time. So I, I thought on the outside looking in, you would have said, this guy seems to have it all sorted. He's got a nice job and a good company. I was working with PepsiCo International. I was in a management development program. You know, life was good on the outside, but inside I was just very, very off. Right. And it spiraled. I didn't know it at the time, but I was in a spiral of depression. I didn't right. know it though. Um, I just thought, oh, look, life isn't great or things are wrong. And then it culminated, and I explained this in the book early on, just to kind of give a context that I woke up one morning with the very serious intent to exit stage left at the end of the day. I don't say that lightly. I feel very lucky to be even talking to you here today. There's not a puppy a day goes by that I don't feel grateful for the fact that I got a second chance. And I kind of explained that in the book. And that was a starting point. And luckily for me, I got some help, um, primarily initially from my dad, who happened to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And because he was there, he also then introduced me to a friend of his who was a counsellor, a guy called Morris. And um, I was very lucky to get uh, some uh, service from, from Mars, a very smart uh, human being who was a counsellor. And we had, I remember our first uh, meeting, he said something to me, he said lots of things, but one of the things that stuck in my mind, my mind, was, Shane, do you realise that you have a mind? Yeah. And I didn't know what that meant, Bobby. Um, and, I, and initially I thought, oh, here we go, like, like exit, get out of this place as fast as you can. This guy's going to be a quack. And that was in time in Ireland, like, you know, 30 years ago, where we didn't talk about mental health. Um, and we didn't really understand it and it wasn't kind of seen as the macho thing to talk about. So that, that was the genesis of everything because from there and Mars helped me to try and turn a corner but then he ejected me after a period of time and said you need to figure out the rest by yourself. Okay. And I, what, what happened was what started off as survival I became obsessed with I cannot let this happen to me again because it was so painful. If you've ever ever been in that situation, and many people probably listening today will have suffered some form of depression, but this was a very severe, dark time. And so I had to kind of fight for my life, being honest. And then I realized, oh, hang on a second here. I started to get better. And as I started to reflect on, well, hang on, what made the biggest difference to me? I started to then say, well, hang on, can I use those fundamentals of what I was seeing about my inner world? Because we all have an inner world, an inner life, which is critically important and it determines outer world success and happiness, really. I started to say, well, can I use that for, for better living and to achieve more in my job? And I started to kind of follow that trail. And that was, again, 30 years ago. But I've been on that journey ever since, and I'm still learning. I still make loads of mistakes. But as you said, I've managed to then, along the way, through several detours, uh, craft a career that 
you might call an executive coaching thing. I don't know what to call it half the time, but basically my, my, my job is to help people who are leaders. And one of the things that you say, it brings us neatly onto that, is you say that you're not a coach, that your job is to create or achieve of what your vision of or version of success is. This is one of the things I'm often intrigued by, that success is different things to different people. Yeah. And we, we live in this world where we always think the other guy is more successful or yeah. the other girl has a better job or she's happier than me. And this comparison thing yeah. is actually part of the issue, is it not? A hundred percent, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, again, you know, we have this inner world um, it's kind of stuff that we should, talk, we should be talked about. This should be taught to us in school from a very young age. Um, and one of the, the, the habits that actually is quite useful if it's used right is comparison thinking, comparative thinking. But for most people, it actually ends up being a negative habit. Yeah. So for example, for me, I was an absolute master of negative comparative thinking, Bobby. It was one of the reasons why I got very down because exactly what you're saying, you'd be looking across the way saying, look, your man has a better car, he's a better job, he's got more money, or she's actually happier. How do I use it? Whereas actually comparative thinking is quite useful in a business scenario if you use it right. So comparative thinking is the death of joy and the death of performance. And why are a lot of CEOs miserable? <laughs> I think you might, you might, well, I think some CEOs would dispute that. But in my, in my experience, um, I think a lot of CEOs, it's, a t- it's tough to be a CEO in today's world. Yeah, it's a very lonely place. It's very lonely. The time. It's very lonely. Um, in some cases, somebody like me or, or other people like me are maybe the only person that they can really tell the truth to, right? But when you're saying why they're miserable, I don't think most of them are miserable most of the time unless they get lost in depression. I think what will happen, though, is a lot of CEOs really suffer from a lot of stress. And that stress over time can really cause all sorts of physical problems, but then also mood problems. And then what you'll often find sometimes with CEOs, they're thinking, hang on a second here, everybody else is looking at me as if I'm the most successful person in the room. Yeah. I have it all sorted. But inside, I don't feel that. Yeah. And so there's this disconnect between the outer world and the inner world. And that's kind of what I'm fascinated with. And to be honest, you asked why. The reason is because of a lack of understanding of how the inner world works, how your mind works. So the inner CEO's the book. Uh, the title is interesting. Uh, it doesn't, uh, it, it obviously is meant to appeal to more than CEOs. Yes. But does it play on the maybe aspiration that most people maybe aspire to being a CEO? Um, a, a little bit. I think, look, for me, the, the title was the first thing that came in with this book. And I think there's a problem in the title on one level, if I'm being honest, which is that some people read and go, well, I'm not a CEO, don't want to be a CEO. So why does it bother to me? But really what I'm talking about in the book, as you within the first couple of pages, you'll understand is it's about becoming the boss of your mind. Yeah. About becoming the master of your inner world. That's what I mean by being the inner CEO. And so the inner CEO is really a, it's a call or a challenge to people to say, listen, um, if you want to improve your, your business or your job, and in, sp- in particular your life, the, the way you live, you got to look to actually lead in your inner world more and understanding how to do that. So great CEOs, like I've worked with some really good CEOs, but what you see what they all have in common is apart from having a great mindset, they all actually have a fundamental, they get stuck into every part of the business, they understand each element and they say, right, all the heads of the department, let's get them aligned. You need to do the same thing in your inner world, understand your inner teams, get them focused on where you're going and get them aligned. But that's tough for people. Yeah. Um, look, it's a great read. It's a great book. And you've, you've walked the talk, which I think is, is the great part about this, which are 30 years of experience. Mm, uh, you don't try and sugarcoat anything in it, which I think, again, is admirable. So for me, it's a book well worth reading. It's called The Inner CEO. Uh, the author is Shane Craddock. He's previously the author of Inspire Me, 
And if you uh, if you want to get your mind right and lead a business, it's a good read. Thanks a million, Bobby. All right. Well, great to talk to you, Shane. And we wish you well. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.